0: Hi, I'm Chris McBrien a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm
1: Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is
0: dope. Episode 12, Game Shows. <laughs> Chris McBride here, this is Pop Goes Your World, along with Yancey Eaton, as always, we got a great show tonight, oh, it's going to be great, what, game shows, one of my favorite things of all time, TV game shows, love them, um, Yancey, what's going on brother? Uh,
1: not a whole lot. I'm still living the uh, the retail management grind. I know I say that every single week, but. Living the uh, dream, right? Yep. Living the dream, man. You nice. know, working every other weekend and every single major holiday and, you know, just waking up at 3 a.m. and staying until 10 o'clock at night.
0: You know how it is. Oh, the, the retail you. grind. I love it. Uh, now, actually, before we get started, I want to share a quick story with you, if I could. So, uh, as you know, uh, by day, I'm a college professor. Okay. And the thing is, so usually right. usually when I'm done a lecture, I'll usually get like about four or five students line up at the podium, you know, to come and talk to me, you know, like they want to ask questions, you know, about the day's topic or, you know, about an upcoming test or assignment or something, you know, like just a quick question or make a comment about the subject matter, whatever. But anyway, so this past week I was given a lecture on uh, ethics and marketing and business and um, the class is over. A bunch of students line up to see me just like always. And, you know, there's a typical questions, like I said. And then the last student is waiting around and he, he comes up and I said, yeah, yeah, can I help you? And he just looks at me and he goes, Yeah. It's 8080s, not ad-ads. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know my students realized I did a wow. podcast, let alone correct me for it. So that was, it was really awesome. He's a great student, too. He's an American like you, Yancy. So maybe it's, a, it's an American thing, AT80s. I don't know. Good but, for him. But yeah. I've got to tell you, in regard to that whole thing, I've gotten several tweets and emails on the matter, and it seems pretty conclusively that it's adats, not AT80s. So this debate is not going to go away anytime soon. I refuse it's to easy.
1: accept that, to be honest with you. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have any evidence. I don't have anything to back it up. But it just feels like ATAT is like the, the, the correct way to pronounce it, but like you said, I do understand your reasoning with the whole hyphen and, you know, I, I get it, but mm-hmm. this is one of those things like until I hear it from like George Lucas's mouth himself, like I'm going to, I'm going to stand firm on this. one. I,
0: I sent a tweet this week out to uh, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. and I didn't get anything back. I'm going to, I'm going to go all the way to the top if I have to. <laughs> Lucas isn't on Twitter, but I will find somebody <laughs> definitively, I don't care, somebody that's involved there and yeah. we'll get an answer. But anyway, uh, so one of the, the the staples of pop culture has been TV game shows. And that's going to be our topic this week. Are you ready to get started, my friend? I am ready, Chris. Let's do it. Let's go. You kids today with your Zima soft drinks, Pac-Man video games, and your Dan Fogelberg records.
1: We're the do-it-yourself generation. A lot of millennials look at me like I've
0: got two heads. If
1: you didn't like MASH... So here's where our generations are really, really different. They all watch the same five TV shows. We mock what yeah. we don't understand. It is very, very culturally relevant, and It's it's going to be here for a while. It's like a little secret handshake that we have with each other. Help me out, Chris. What am I trying to say? I'm young, I'm hip, and I speak the language of the streets. You have like this weird, almost cultish obsession with... The Fonz.
0: Okay, so we're going to be counting down our top five game shows of all time. We're going to go from five to one, like always. Yancey, take us away. What's your number five game show?
1: All right, so let me preface this as I always do by saying that uh, normally we do like the generational gap where you would talk about things that were, you know, know, really prevalent whenever you were, you know, either a teenager Mm -hmm. or something like that. And, you know, likewise for me. But most of the game shows that I like... Have been around for a really long time. Oh, good. So this is we're gonna have. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of overlap here simply because you don't see any like groundbreaking, you know, just revolutionary, you know, uh, pop culture like phenomenon, you know, game type shows that that have come out recently. I I don't think. Maybe I could be wrong, but so most of my lists are older. So starting off at the top, we're gonna go with Family Feud. Yes, for obvious reasons. Yes, for obvious reasons. I'm sure it's going to make your list. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. Um, Obviously, the show has gone through a bunch of different iterations. It's had a bunch of different uh, hosts, and you know they've tweaked the the format for the most part. But generally speaking, it's basically stayed the exact same. Obviously, you have two families, you have two rounds, and then the third round is where you triple the points, which basically means like the first two rounds are completely useless except to fill time in a game show, yep. which I've always kind of loved because it's like, literally, you can get swept the first two rounds and you can win the final round and then bam, you're done. Um, my favorite thing about Family Feud is is not everybody in a family is intelligent. Not everybody in a family is you know worldly or wordsmiths or good at trivia or good at answering questions on the fly. Um, <laughs> so you'll get these families where you can see like there is one dude who's just like super super prepared. He's a really really sharp guy, and then you have like the the middle aged mom or like the 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 old uncle that doesn't know anything and (laughs) the answers that they give that are so bad, that are just like cringe-worthy, and you can see it in like the family's faces, and even though they know it's an awful answer, they always go, you know, good, good answer, good answer, and they they try to be positive, and I just love that awkwardness whenever like you, you see like, all of the disappointment that is like your family that is your sibling or your mom or your spouse like I, I just think it's perfect so uh, Family Feud it's been kicking for a long time it's still funny I'm not a huge Steve Harvey fan but even the newest iteration is still pretty good so uh, Family Feud is my number five
0: okay so my question for you then is as a millennial who is your favorite host which host do you like as Family Feud like I say it's seen a lot of iterations you know Dawson Ray Combs took over from 88 to 94 Louis Anderson came in for a couple years Richard Carn, John O'Hurley and now of course Steve Harvey so of course all the hosts that, that it's seen which one is your favorite
1: uh i like i said i'm not a huge steve harvey fan i've never been a huge steve harvey fan no, me neither um i was never a big louis anderson fan either but if you just go by like i like the times that i was mostly watching it it was always louis anderson so i guess technically by default i don't know if he's my favorite but I, he's the one that i've seen the most of so it'd probably be him but what what is your favorite, your uh, favorite louis
0: actor? anderson would be dead last uh, on that list <laughs> Uh, No two ways about it. He was was horrific. He was the worst game show host in the history of television. Uh, So there's that. Uh, Richard Dawson, no two ways about it. If you you go back and watch them on YouTube and stuff and you'll see, I'll I'll get, because it's definitely on my list, so we'll get to it. But uh, that's a good one. I definitely like Family Feud. Okay, so my number five is a show called Joker's Wild. Um, I love trivia. Uh, Not sure you may have noticed that. Um, And Joker's Wild to me was one of the best. It ran from 72 uh, all the way until 91. Um, It was probably at its best though so around 79, 80, 79 to 81 I would say Jack Berry was the host although uh, Bill Cullen he hosted for a while too um, but what you did is you pull this handle and then three sort of slot machine wheels would spin and you'd get categories for trivia questions. And, and there were jokers too. So if you got jokers, it added to the value of the question. So it'd be like, joker, joker, American history. Oh, okay. So you get American history for like 150. And then you answer trivia questions and then you go to the final round where you spun the wheel and then you got money values, you know, like $25, $50, $100. and then, And then if you spun it and you got a devil, you went bankrupt and you had to start over. So uh, the set was like red and gray. It looked like it was decorated with like sparkly paint. Like, like you know, like, you know, like a drum set, like from the 70s. So it's got that sparkly kind of paint. It looked like that. I um, do. Yeah. And but I tell you, if you if you love trivia shows and you like games of chance, uh, this show Joker's Wild had the best of both worlds. So I loved watching it and I loved playing along when I was a kid. So it's my number five. What's your number four? What was it called? Joker's Wild? Joker's Wild. The Joker's I'm not going to lie.
1: Wild. I've honestly never even heard of that in my entire life. Yeah, well, there you go. It's, it's a
0: good one. I love that one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, YouTube it, right? Yeah, Check definitely. Yep, you'll find sure. it, there's full episodes on YouTube. I watch them all the time. Okay, okay cool. Num- what's your number four.
1: All right, number four, uh, for me, this is one of my most watched game shows in my lifetime. It's not necessarily like my favorite. I never get excited that it's on, but uh, I just happen to watch it because it always goes on before my number one game show, which I'll save for later, obviously. Um, and it's Wheel of Fortune. Uh, Pat Sajak is uh, probably the most vanilla host I've ever seen. You can tell he just kind of like shipped it in about 15 years ago. Vanna White is a is a timeless, ageless beauty, and everybody loves Vanna, myself included. Um, I like words. I'm a wordsmith. I like puzzles. Naturally, it has puzzles, and it has a huge wheel with all kinds of dollars and stuff on it. Um, I like that it's kind of like a... Uh, it's almost like a faceless, like sterile game show where like they don't let you know too much about the contestants at all. It's like a very like run of the mill. You never see shows where like they kind of like deviate from like you know the standard operating procedure. Basically, you always kind of know what you're getting with Wheel of Fortune, and uh, that's kind of okay with me. Sometimes I just like consistency. I like knowing what I'm going to watch, and that's kind of Wheel of Fortune for me. Um, I mean sometimes it's really cool when like somebody wins a car sometimes it's really funny whenever you see people like really freak out whenever you know they they, they get bankrupt and they you know they had all this money banked up and stuff but what I most love about it is whenever people just look stupid and (laughs) it happens a lot you know what I mean like uh, um uh, just any anytime you have, you know, you're trying to guess words and stuff like that, and you have one or two letters in it, and the, the combinations of, of of words that people have inside their heads, it's it's pretty fascinating to me. Um, like I said, it's not it's not like a super novel idea. It's not very interesting. It's always the same thing. But uh, Wheel of Fortune is incredibly consistent. Like I said, uh, Vanna White is more
0: than worth watching so Will Fortune number four I I remember back in the days when Chuck Woolery hosted it and even when Rolf Benerska hosted a, a version of it but uh, you're right Pat Aject is kind of just sort of just taking it and run with it, obviously. He's done it for years now And Vanna White. She looks the exact same now as she did in like 81. It's unbelievable. You know,
1: I I actually meant to say one more thing too. My wife had actually told me about this because I told her we were doing game shows Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, she had done some research on this. I don't even know what she was looking up, but she had mentioned that uh, they actually record, I think it's like only four or five times a month. They'll basically come in and they have, you know, Vanna has like six or seven dresses and Pat has like six or seven different suits and they will record all day for like four or five days in a row. And that's all they record for an entire month. So if you add it up, this guy only works, you know, Vanna and Pat only work like two or three weeks out of the year or three or four weeks out of the year, whatever it comes out to be. But is not that crazy, though. So if you see him and you just look like he, you know, he's about to, you know, kill himself, basically. It's like that's probably the seventh show in the last 24 hours that he has recorded. Like that dude is checked out. This is a this is a job. He's not doing this because he loves it. This is a job
0: yep i absolutely he's a game <laughs> show host right i mean it's it's not easy uh okay, so my number four is the one hundred thousand dollar pyramid um It started out as the $10,000 pyramid back in 73 and then it went to like the $20,000 pyramid, $25,000 pyramid, $50,000 pyramid, and finally the $100,000 pyramid. But the $100,000 version is where it really, really hit its stride. They had like this new set with the contestant seats and they had like this TV screen that rotated back and forth between the celebrity and the contestant. And like a lot of game shows... Uh, that were on TV at that time, the, the, the quote-unquote celebrities were just pretty much Z-list actors. They were willing to do daytime TV for scale, right? And mm-hmm. Dick Clark hosted the show. Um, and and I'm I'm talking like the, the you know the versions with Donny Osmond and there's now and Michael Strahan. Just ignore that crap. That pretend that stuff never existed. Dick Clark's hundred thousand dollar pyramid is the ver- ultimate version of the show. And so the way it worked was they had the two celebrities, like I said, the Z-list actors, and they got paired up with each with a contestant. And then they had to take turns describing words to each other and then try to get the person to say the word. It's kind of based on, on password. There was a password game show that Alan Ludden used to host. So it's kind of based on that. And then, you know, if you, they got more words than the other team, they got to go to the winner's circle. And the, the, the rules were kind of reversed because when you went in the winner's circle, you could just give lists of things. And the other person had to guess the category. So, like, for example, like like the person giving the clues might say something like, like, I chase mice. Uh, I, I go crazy for catnip. I scratched the furniture and the category would be like things cats do, you know what I mean? And right. it was just it was just amazing game show to watch, a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. That's my number 4. So, number 3 Okay, number three
1: for me. I actually had to look it up to make sure that it was a game show because I, I kind of just grouped it in like the reality TV show kind of genre. Um, but it actually is a, apparently a game show. The people in it play a game, and that's the Amazing Race. Uh, my mother actually was the first person that introduced me to this um, when I was growing up. All through you know my my elementary and and middle school and, and high school years, we never had cable or satellite or anything like that. Excuse me. But uh, we did have, you know, basic network television and The Amazing Race was always on, I think, CBS and stuff. And my mom loved it. And so I would always just kind of watch it just because it was on in the background kind of thing. And then uh, it kind of got like a second life for me because my wife is also a fan of the show. And obviously just to preface this, I'm sure you've heard of it before. Most of the people listening probably have too, but you have a, uh, you know, you have a pair of uh, two people, a team, they go all over the world competing against other teams. You have checkpoints and, you know, uh, you have pit stops and stuff like that where you're trying to get to one place. and, And normally like the last person to get to, or the last team to get to a place is eliminated. Sounds really, really simple, but they'll literally go from Dubai to Mongolia to Paris. You know, they're literally just globe hopping like the entire time. Um, My wife loves it because obviously she just loves travel and she loves being worldly and all that stuff. My wife's also like really, really astute at directions and, and, you know, planning things and stuff like that. And that's something that I'm really poor at. So it's kind of something we gravitated towards together as like a couple because, you know, I'm really personable. I'm good, you know, you know, quick thinking and stuff like that. I'm really good at making people kind of like do things for me, which kind of makes me sound like a, you know, a sociopath. But, um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, we were on our honeymoon and we were in New York and we missed our flight and I called and gave like a sob story and got like, like free tickets kind of thing you know so it's it's just one of those things like it's the most practical game show i think that has ever existed where like real people are, are interacting with real people there's nothing scripted about it it's it's real life you're traveling all over the world and real destinations you're seeing real people and then you know real skills that you have actually translates to this game. There's no voting. There's no, you know, it's not a game of chance. You know, there's there's not a luck factor based into it. It's just like if you're really good at, like I said, dealing with people and and traveling and planning and logistics and stuff like that, you'll exceed. Um, it's, it's one of those shows where, I, I think it's actually it's 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 come on the air and then it's kind of gone off again or whatever but it's won like a ton of awards i know it won a ton of uh, of emmys and stuff like that for like outstanding reality programs and um it's in stuff it, it's it's won a lot of awards and stuff like that it's just i hope it kind of sticks around or whatever i'm actually not even sure if it's still in the air but i love it and uh I think that's what, what, my number three, Chris? Yeah, that's your three.
0: I, I would say I was, I was, was kind of looking forward to or expecting you to kind of go into that realm. See, to me, shows like that, I still kind of classify them as reality shows. I know they're playing a game and all that, but to right, me, right, right. like, I just, I don't know. I'm old school, I'm Gen X. Like, I think of game shows as, like, in a studio, on a set, playing a game with a host and all that kind of stuff. It's, the Amazing Race is, is a good show. I'll give you that. And the cinematography and stuff is great. The Canadian version, a little bit of a trivia, the Canadian version, um, The Amazing Race Canada, is hosted by John Montgomery who is actually um, uh, a graduate of my program at the college. And he was actually back last year and uh, was the keynote speaker at graduation. So he's a really nice guy and a really, really great speaker too. But anyway, uh, my number three, uh, uh, here's our first crossover. It's Family Feud for me. And like I say, I was mentioned earlier, Steve Harvey, all that crap, forget it. Richard Dawson, that's the version. So Richard Dawson was so popular with contestants and audiences when he was on Match Game that he was given his own show. That's where Family Feud came from. And like I said, if you're only familiar with the Steve Harvey version or even like from Louis Anderson on with a different set and all the writing and stuff like that, I think you want to go back and watch an episode with Richard Dawson because the, the new version, it's just not the same. It's And it's not just the host or the set. The old version with Dawson is just so much better on every level. Although I will give uh I showed it to Ray Combs. So Ray Combs took over and did the show from like 88 to 91 and 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 he was good, man. I got big big up to him. He was a a good host, too. But like I say, the it's just a way better version of the show. It was it was like campy. Um the the writing of the questions was way better, and it was even a little bit creepy because Richard Dawson, he would kiss all of the female okay. contestants on Thank the you. lips. Thank Either you
1: way. for bringing this up because I, I'm literally sitting here thinking and I'm like, okay, I don't want to sound stupid and I don't want to denigrate like his his pick for game shows and stuff like that, but isn't this a show where like the guy literally kissed? everybody like he would like there would be like little girls and be like oh won't you give me a kiss like i've seen like youtube compilations and stuff of him like so this is the guy right this is the guy he would kiss them
0: all on the lips i remember one time they did a celebrity version and he kissed uh oh who was it rory calhoun he kissed him on the lips too like he just kisses everybody like it was just (laughs) it's out of control i tell you but uh but with the um Like I say, so the gameplay of the show, just as a bit of a history, it came from, it was based on the super match segment of Match Game. So what in Match Game, what they would do is they would pull the studio audience, get the top three answers, and and then the contestants had to try and guess them. And Dawson was like almost always, 99% of the time, he was the celebrity that the contestant would pick to help him with the segment. So I guess it only made sense that he, you know, would be the one pegged to host the new show. But Family Feud is my number three. So on to your number two.
1: Okay. I mean, that's, that's so uncomfortable like I said I've oh, seen yeah. those YouTube videos and stuff and it's like oh man yeah. you know th- at one point you would hear like audience members saying like you dirty old man <laughs> 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 Yeah. So. okay anyways uh, my number two is The Price is Right and I feel like everybody went through like this period in their life where they were watching the prices right, like seemingly all the time. Uh, there was a, a, a period of about a year where I was living away from home and I was working overnight in logistics, you know, working the truck and stuff like that. And I would come home and you know, I, I couldn't sleep. I had you know clinical insomnia and stuff like that. Sometimes I go days without sleeping, but you know, whenever I would get off at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, I would come home and Jeopardy would be on. And it's one of those things where, like, you don't plan to watch The Price is Right. It's just seemingly always on. Like, you could turn on, like, TV Land or something, and, like, The Price is Right is just on. And uh, I love it, <laughs> to be honest with you. And it's weird because uh, t- to pull for complete strangers, because, like, obviously everybody wants to win a car, and you want everybody to win a car. And I just love, like, with, like, the, uh, the showdown at the very end of the show where you could pass or you could keep the, you know, the prize for yourself – and like sometimes like people would pass something, assuming that oh obviously it's gonna be better than this, and like they end up winning just like a ping pong table or something, <laughs> right? Or or you know the, the you know the patented, you know I'm gonna bet one dollar more than the last guy, which is just like the the of snake moves. But uh, obviously there's a ton of strategy involved with it. Um, I mean just so many so many games that are just iconic like Plingo or. Uh, i'm trying to think of some of the other ones like the yodeling man like the closer you get like the, the yodeling man is climbing yep. up the mountain if he goes over the top or whatever um i had a whole list of these written down somewhere and i, I lost my notes for the show there's but. a hole in one or two yeah. you know all those yeah, things exactly yep. every so. everybody has seen the prices right which is so great and uh you know obviously bob barker is iconic and uh on our, our, our last podcast that we did together, Chris, uh, you know, at one point, I think I even mentioned like spay and neuter your, your pets mm-hmm. as like joke. Yep. Everybody knows that. Obviously, it's like this like weird kind of like iconic thing that he's always said for, you know, however many years and stuff. Uh, Drew Carey does a decent job. I will say that. But um, I don't know. It's not the same. I know that's kind of like a cheap you know, a cheap thing to say. Everybody's always going to say that the the new thing isn't as good as the original. Obviously, he does a really good job, but man, Bob Barker was just iconic. He was absolutely iconic. And like I said, everybody loves the prices, right? I've never met anybody who
0: doesn't. It's just, uh, it's just a perfect game show. So that's my number two. I'm very gratifying to hear a millennial say that Bob Barker was the ultimate or sort of the definitive game show host. Uh, that's really cool because I wasn't sure if you would kind of go, "Oh yeah, Drew Carey, I really like," but uh, but no, Bob Barker was the guy. No twist about it. Okay, so my number two is. Tattletales. And I absolutely love this show. Um, there's, uh, you'll, there's all kinds of episodes available on YouTube. Um, so you get out there, you can watch them. I watch them on YouTube all the time. The show ran from 74 to 77. And then it came back for another run from 82 to 84. It was hosted by Burt Convy. It was the epitome of seventies and eighties game shows. It had like this green set. And of course, like a lot of other shows from the seventies, the celebrities were not big stars. It's kind of like dancing with the stars. You know, they're, they're not really stars. Um, so in this show, uh, there was three, they had three couples on. And so uh, it was like sort of the star of whoever the celebrity was, and then either their husband or their wife. And they would start it with, let's just say, like they started with all the husbands. So all the husbands are out front, and the wives are all backstage wearing these big, big headphones, and they were in like a TV screen in front of them. And then Bert Convy was the host, and he would ask them a personal question. And then the wives would disappear from the monitors, and they'd turn on like music or something in the headphones so they couldn't hear. And the husbands would answer the question, and then they would bring the wives back on one at a time to see if they could match the answer that their husband said. So to give you an example, like, like Bert might say something like, okay, you and your husband are at a very expensive restaurant. When the waiter brings the bill, you notice he forgets to charge you for the very expensive bottle of wine. Would your husband speak up and say something or just let it go? And then the wives go away. And the husband would answer the question, you know, like, oh, no, I'm cheap. I wouldn't say anything. And they bring the wife back. And then the wife would say, oh, my husband's cheap. He wouldn't say anything, ding, 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 ding. They'd win, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how they do it. It was like, it's, it was so, so, so funny. It was It was called, they called it the game of celebrity gossip. And uh, and the other thing was, if they got it right, they would win money for their section of the audience. So there was three sections of the audience. And there was blue, red, and the yellow section. They called it uh, the, the banana section. And so it was like cheesy. It was fantastic. I tell you, if you get a chance, go to YouTube, watch an episode. You might think I'm crazy, but Tales is one of my all-time favorite game shows. I still watch old episodes of it all the time so Uh, they actually got the game they got the audience involved in the game well they got the audience would win money right so they would split the money that's pretty awesome and they would actually what they did was they would cut a check to everybody as they were leaving the studio because it was too hard to like get everyone's mailing address and mail them they would cut checks right there and give everyone a check as they left you know because whatever their portion it wasn't a lot like I mean it would be like 400 bucks split by like you know 300 people or something like that (laughs) everyone gets a buck 50 you know what I mean like so it it was it was you know 70s and 80s game shows it was all cheap So. But it was a good show, man. I love watching that to this day. Okay, so on to your number one. What have you got? All right. My number one
1: should come as no surprise. Uh, Every single podcast that we do, we're on our 12th one now. uh, We do trivia. You love trivia. I love trivia. And so it goes without saying that my favorite game show of all time is Jeopardy. Nice. Uh, It's something, you know, my wife and I, we don't. We, we, we don't watch TV much at all, to be honest with you. I have MLB TV. If I'm not watching a baseball game, you know, I might be on Netflix occasionally on my iPad or something, but you know, it's very rare for us to sit down in front of the TV and just look for something to watch. Like I'm not like a TV watcher at all. That's not how I kind of like consume content at all. Um, but Jeopardy is the one thing where we will plan to watch it almost every single night, you know, four or five nights a week, we will watch Jeopardy at seven 30. And, uh, I mean I don't really know exactly how how much more to you know to elaborate on on Jeopardy other than you know, you've heard of about the uh, the Jeopardy rule where if you ever learn something new within a month, you'll see that on Jeopardy. It's like this weird kind of like the universe aligns to where Nice. anytime you ever put yourself out there and like learn something new or exciting or something that you never thought that you would kind of like see yourself diving into, it will show up on Jeopardy. And that's kind of like bored itself out, obviously. Um, I remember whenever uh, Ken Jennings was going on that like horrific run. I think he ended up winning like 70 games or 75 games in a row or something like that. Um, Dude, that was like appointment viewing. And I remember there was a lot of controversy involved with it because the day that he actually lost on the show, everybody had like a lot of suspicions that he'd basically been bought out by the network or by the game show directly because um, it was right during sweeps week, which you know I'm, I'm sure you know is you know all these game shows and, and TV shows and networks and stuff like that are kind of like doing like a, a, a blitz for ratings because that's whenever you know they're setting pricing and stuff like that for the next season shows and everything like that. So it was just kind of it was almost too convenient that he was eliminated from the show in like a really weird fashion like he was just like completely disinterested in the show during sweeps week um so that that's kind of in the side but it's just a perfect game show it's quick paced it, it covers an array of every category you can possibly think of i love the final jeopardy i love how people are just they just use really bad game theory all the time you know what i mean yep like even whenever they have like you know they could have $200 and they could risk up to $2000 and they'll risk $200 or people can't add up the math at the end where they're like hey you know what I'm this far ahead if I only risk this much money I have zero chances of losing and yet you know uh, several times a season people people blow it on final jeopardy even though mathematically they couldn't lose if they just could do simple addition you know what I mean yep. it's um Alex Trebek you know he's he's a little bit wittier than people give him credit for and he's, he's, canada- a and he's Canadian
0: by the way he's, Canadian. he's also
1: Canadian which yes. is a huge plus for some people you know um so you have that obviously he's a great Canadian um it's just it's it's great it's one of those things where like um anybody can have like a really good night watching Jeopardy you know what I mean like I I'm pretty well versed in like a lot of different topics and stuff um but more times than not whenever i'm watching with my wife she kind of like dusts the floor with me just because there's so many things that she's good at that i'm not so it's kind of like one of those things where like i wish there was like a couple's jeopardy that we can go on because we would we literally just mop the floor with people but it's just a perfect game show you kind of get to like stress like your you know your intellectual muscle kind of thing you know what i mean like that's that's one thing my wife always says she's the most attracted to about me is like i love to learn and i love you know i love knowledge and trivia and stuff so um jeopardy is always gonna be timeless i hope uh alex trebek Never dies. I a part of me thinks he's just like some sort of like sentient like robot overlord kind of thing. Um, I mean, the guy is like seventy years old. and He looks like he's like fifty something. I mean, he looks fantastic. He could be my dad. But uh, I'm rambling at this point. But Jeopardy is
0: is easily number one for me for game shows. Oh yeah, Jeopardy. Is. Do you remember? here's a piece of trivia for you. Do you remember the question that Ken Jennings lost? Oh no. no. Oh yeah, I remember. They asked him. It was a. Comp- they want to know like what company um, employees only worked four months of the year. And he said FedEx, but it was wrong. It was H&R Block. Really? Yeah, and that's what caused him to lose. I remember that. I remember watching that streak. It was good. That's definitely a good show. And, uh, and like you say, Alex Trebek is sort of, you know, you know, a definitive game show host himself. You know what I mean? And he was good. He got started on Canadian TV doing a show called Pitfall back in the, uh, the late 70s, early 80s. I remember watching it. Um, but anyway, my number one game show of all time is Match Game. I love, love, love this show. And for me, it's a microcosm for society in the 1970s. Go back and watch some episodes. There's tons of them on YouTube. And I'm talking about the ones with Gene Rayburn as the host. And, you know, from around 78 to 81-ish, that was the real, really, really hit its stride. Um, like I say, it's it's basically a snapshot of what society was like back in those days. They're drinking on the show. They're smoking. It's chauvinistic. Um, it's a, a, another example of... Ze- I love chauvinism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, like it's it's so funny because you watch it and you're like, You could not say that on TV today. Like I can't believe it. And back then it was just totally acceptable to talk this way. And so that's part of what makes it so so appealing that you're just like, Man, I can't believe how much society has changed. Um but like I say, the the the, the celebrities on it were you know, all D list actors. Um, so they we had a panel of six stars, right? And then they had two contestants, and then the contestants try to match the stars. So Gene Rayburn would pull out a card, he'd read it. The stars would write down their answers. The contestants would give an answer. Nine times out of ten, they would give answers or questions with, like, double entendres. Or, or they would just outright say stuff that was racy, especially for daytime TV in the 70s. So, like, to give you an example, like, like Gene might pull a card and you'd say, okay, um, dumb Dora is so dumb. And, of course, the audience says, how dumb is she? Dumb Dora is so dumb. She's been in kindergarten so long. She's the only girl in class with blank." And then of course they'd say like boobs and stuff like that. And like it was just it was campy, <laughs> funny stuff. Like I just can't believe that, that they got away with that kind of stuff. And like a lot of the other shows, like, I would say forget about those lame reboots over the years. Like there was Ross Schaefer, Michael Berger, even Alec Baldwin is even doing one now. It's the I ver- heard that. Yeah, yes. d- I did hear yeah that. throw it all away. It's the Gene Rayburn version was the best game show of all time. Campy, cheesy, offensive. It's but most importantly, you know what? It's fun. And that, to me, is what game shows should be all about, in my opinion. After all, they're game shows, and games are meant to be fun. And to me, nothing was funner than watching match game. So, that's my list. Anyway, time now to have some fun with Yancey. <laughs> So in honor of one of my favorite game shows, the $100,000 Pyramid, uh, what we're going to do is I thought you and I, Yancey, this week would play a round of the winner's circle together of the $100,000 Pyramid. What do you think? Okay, let's let's do it. Okay, so just like I said, the way it works is I'm going to give you lists, and you try to guess the category. Are you ready? Go. <laughs> the Blair Witch Project. Horror, what, what are horror films? The one where Jesse's stepbrother moves to New York to live with her. Um, The the, the one where Slater gets a wrestling scholarship for the University of Iowa. Um, The one where Screech makes spaghetti sauce.
1: Oh, what is a... The one where Jesse takes caffeine pills. Say by the Bell.
0: Ocean's Eleven. Clash of the Titans. Footloose. King Kong. Uh, Prom Night. About Last Night. The Amityville Horror. The Karate Kid. I have no idea. War of the Worlds.
1: <laughs> the, Lone I don't Ran- know. the
0: Lone Ranger. Re- reboot. I-, I ride around on my motorcycle and I hang out with Richie Cunningham. Hey. Fonzie. Toy Story 2. The Green Mile. Tom Hanks. The Mummy. Uh, Notting Hill. Deep Blue Sea. The Talented Mr. Ripley, The Matrix, The Blair Witch Project,
1: 1999,
0: Joliet Jake Blues, The Samurai Warrior, Henry Kissinger, William Shatner, Pete from the Olympia Café, Joe Cocker, uh, Lowell Brock, Captain Ned, Jack Kerouac, (laughs) this is really
1: hard
0: <laughs> it's not easy to do right so there you go but uh, you pulled it off so there you go now we, we oh so we skipped one so we didn't get it so we got what 51 150 yeah, we got 750 points so that's not bad 750 this bucks is really hard I'm like sweating I'm like oh my god <laughs> so the last one things, <laughs> things Fonzie might say congratulations very very good so uh, anyway that's uh, that's all the time we got we gotta wrap up we're up against the clock as always so uh, make sure that you reach out to us uh, on Twitter at Yancey Eaton or at C McBrien or Chris or at PopGoesYourWorld.com Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at CMcbryan or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.